Thank you very much for coming on today's podcast. Fernando, alcoholic. Let's go ahead and open this meeting with a moment of silence followed by the serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. A spiritual kindergarten says on the daily reflections for today, June 24th, we are only operating a spiritual kindergarten in which people are unable to get enabled to get over drinking and find the grace to go on living to better effect. As Bill sees it, page 95. Again, we are mainlining spiritual spirituality. We are not getting into trouble no more. And it gives us a chance to find more grace on top for living to a better effect. You know, if I look back in my drinking, a grace was there. It held me from uh, pulling the trigger, playing Russian roulette with the buddies. But it just enabled me, to. an Alcoholic Anonymous has enabled me to find the grace and to start by gratitude, I, I start tapping on grace, on top of grace. They call it glory, on top of glory. And it's God's effect, is His doing, is His doing. That's what the big book says. Any success that we're having is God's success. The article for today goes on to say, When I first came to AA, I was run down by the bottle and wanted to lose the obsession to drink. But I didn't really know how to do that. I decided to stick around long enough to find out from the ones who went before me. All of a sudden, I was thinking about God. I was, I was told to get a higher power, and I had no idea what one looked like. I found out there are many higher powers. I was told to find God as I understand Him. That there was no doctrine in the Godhead in AA. I found what worked for me, and then asked that power to restore me to sanity. The obsession to drink was removed, and one day at a time, my life went on, and I learned how to live sober. Beautiful, wonderful readings, huh? You agree? You betcha. Amen. Let's go ahead and read tomorrow's, okay? Let's see what the rest of the month says. Tomorrow is called a two-way street. If we ask God, we certainly for, He will certainly forgive our derelictions. But in no case does He render us white as snow and keep us that way without our cooperation. 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, page 65. You know how God is going to keep me... Uh, today at a meeting, I gave a note to a couple of guys there as we were kind of like a doctor gives prescription. I was giving prescriptions to these two. and uh, uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and call them sponsees. They, re- they kind of report to me. And uh, I was giving them a, telling him one guy to memorize tradition one. I've been thinking about him for a whole week to memorize tradition one. The other guy, I told them that this is the work that we need to do to cooperate with God. I told them, make a list of all the people that have offended you in your life. 
make a long list of all the people that have hurt you, screwed you over, and offended you in your life, and then make another list of all the all the agencies, the departments, all the uh, finance, everyone that has screwed you over in your life, stolen your car, make a list of that. And then I wrote down in the bottom, uh, I want you to put them in an envelope and pray for them for 45 days for four minutes a day. Four minutes a day for 45 days. And I said, this is the work and the, that we need to do to alleviate and 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 go in inward and scrape the bottom of the pond and see what what junk comes out and this is the way to do it praying for others i also asked one of the guys to write down 3 and 5 year goals in 3 years what joys would you like to have whatever you have joy with God will bring it towards you. So write down a bunch of things that would you think will make you joyful. You know, we don't demand things. We just, the universe or God, He gives it to us as we joy in our imaginations and focus on a solution that will make us happy, that will give us joy. For instance, a house with a picket fence and a playful boxer. That would give you joy. Except for the poop and all the boxing. <laughs> Amen. And another thing you can do, you write a, a, a job. Um, you can write down the new equipment, new uh, broadcasting equipment. You can write down what will give me joy. Okay, and then in, in the five-year category, having, having a job, helping others, having a commitment. That's got to be primary. You got to have three hours a week of community service. It might as well be the 12-step program, folks. You, you come in and you do the, your tap dance for an hour and you leave. You high-five your friends, give them recommendations, tell them you're doing the deal, they're doing the deal. Okay, getting back to our daily reflections, a two-way street for June 25th, it says, if we ask God... God will surely forgive our derelictions, but in no case does he render us white as snow and keep us that way without our, without our cooperation. 12 and 12, page 65. When I prayed, I used to omit a lot of things for which I needed to be forgiven. I thought if I didn't mention these things to God, he wouldn't ever know about them. I didn't know what if, that if I had just forgiven myself for some of my past deeds, God would forgive me also. Huh. I was always taught to prepare for the journey through my life. Never realizing until I came to AA, when I honestly became willing to be taught forgiveness and forgiving, that life itself is the journey. The journey of life is the very happy one as long as I am willing to accept change and responsibility. The journey of life is a very happy one. Beautiful, beautiful words of life. 
it really hit me really hard when he said that if I would forgive myself of my past deeds, for instance, um, I lost the, the girl I really wanted, the job I wanted, the career. If I would forgive myself, God would forgive me. It looks like it hit me that we are holding, we are holding the judgment papers on ourselves. If I don't forgive myself, I'm holding judgment papers over my head. But if I forgive myself, the judge takes those papers for me and throws them in the middle of the ocean. My slate is clean. I have to do the forgiving. I have to forgive myself. That's, why, that's what happens automatically when I pray for those 45 days for all the people that have hurt me and the situations in the past that have been grave and I couldn't handle them. You know, like uh, losing your, your best uh, friend and your best girl at the same time. They took off on the horizon, things like that. I remember, I always remember something, huh? He said, oh no, here comes another story. I remember. When I was a young kid, I was 17 years old. I ran away from home at 16. And I opened up a, a checking account, you know, and I started putting my money in. And this was all new to me. And this uh, lady, she was, uh, what do you call it, fond? Or she just smiled at my behavior, you know, as young as I was, I guess. And she said, why don't you save $500? 1971, folks, why don't you save $500? I'm 17. And I looked at her and I said, okay. I got two jobs. I used to work nights, hang chickens upside down. I drove around in a 51 Buick with an eight straight. I had coors and girlfriends and, and guys and all in the car riding around in the back in the country. <coughs> After I got my goal of $500, I started watching my money and bringing it to the bank. I got a second job. I started driving forklift on the second job, loading and no, no, actually, I didn't drive forklift. I was... Uh, I was just loading and unloading the sweet potatoes in the machine. I got on a forklift once and I moved it forward and dropped the, uh, the pallet and then I moved it back. That little movement, which took about two minutes, later on in the future, when I was applying for a warehouse job, they said if I knew how to drive forklift, well, I've been in a forklift, I moved it forward, I dropped the pallet, in its place and move the forklift back. So I qualified. I said, yes, I know how to drive forklift. And they kept me there for two years for uh, keeping up with me. The point I'm making is uh, when I was unloading and I, I got a guy a job there at the, uh, at the warehouse and he was driving forklift and he was smoking grass and driving fast and but everybody loved him because he was enthusiastic. He'd go to the bathroom and smoke grass. I had to open the window and let the, the smell out so they won't catch him and running over. He had to turn off the, uh, the machine. I would turn it off for him. 
the, the, the uh, propane on the forklift, things like that. Well, make a long story short, they fired me and kept him. <laughs> so I learned, God bless him. Today I work with his son, and his son is sober. All right, we're going to move, read uh, a story in, in the AA Grapevine from November 2019. I had this copy in its envelope since then. Wow, surprise, huh? Now, we have a story that was written in by Bob R. from Shelburne, Vermont. VT, that Vermont. It says, what happened to Ted? It says, I hate to admit it, but the first time I saw Ted, I hope he would not come anywhere near me. It was my first AA meeting. He had been on an all-night drunk. It was his first AA meeting. He was, And his speech was slurred. He smelled like stale booze and a variety of other unpleasant things, and he looked like he might throw up. I remember saying a quick prayer as he entered the room. I said, God, please don't let him sit next to me. My prayer was unanswered, but not in the way I expected. Ted spotted the empty chair next to mine and unsteadily made his way toward it. I wanted to move to another part of the room, but was embarrassed by what I thought others would think if they, what others would think if I would think if they saw me change seats. So I stayed where I was. When Ted sat down, I remember thinking that while the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking, maybe that requirement should be changed to include in a shower and a mouthwash. Yes, I was really quite full of myself. At that point in the meeting when people began to share, Ted did not raise his hand to speak. Instead, through tears and loud snobs, he blurted out that his family was leaving him, that he was about to lose his job, and that he had come to the meeting because he had nowhere else to go. I can take no credit for what happened next because it was the last thing on earth I consciously wanted to do. All I can say is that I was taken over by a power greater than myself. I leaned towards Ted and put my arm around his shoulder. After the meeting, we exchanged phone numbers. And that's how our relationship began. What happened to Ted? Earlier this year, he celebrated 20 years, 28 years of continuous sobriety. Woohoo! However, as... As they say in the TV commercials, wait, there's more. As Ted regained the trust and respect of his family, his employer, and his community, my life took a different turn along with his. I was not drinking, so I figured it. I had gone, gotten all there to get from AA. I was not drinking, so I figured I had gotten all that I needed from AA. I stopped going to meetings. You can easily predict what came next. It wasn't long before I was on a wicked, dry drunk. I made a series of decisions based on fear and resentment. 
I quickly reached, reached a place where I just wanted the world to go away. To everyone told, for everyone to leave me alone, and eventually everyone did, except Ted. When I lost my kids, Ted was there for me. When I lost my job, Ted was there for me. He never nagged, preached, or criticized. He was simply there, patiently waiting for me to hit my bottom. And when I did, Ted was the one who put his arm around my shoulder as I returned to AA. Today, I know I owe my life to a higher power, one that always answers my prayer, although not always in a way I expect. I am forever grateful that the answer to one of those prayers was meeting a man named Ted and many others like him in these wonderful rooms of AA. Bob R. from Shelburne, V2. Thank you. Thank you very much, Bob, for saying that story. It's full of hope and tears and joy. I really got a big kick out of reading that story, folks. It's, that's what we do in AA, the power of God. Wait, there's more. I remember taking a, here we go, another, remember Episode 265, I remember. There was a guy that lived, he was camping on the third palm tree by our AA fellowship. When I started the meetings, put some money down in the Alano Club and told him I want the, the room for an hour a day, $20 a day for a meeting, I bought of my month's worth. And then I went looking for people that will fill secretary positions. I was living 400 miles away. I was just visiting the in-laws with my wife. And, uh, and I thought the 9 a.m. would be a perfect spot for people to have meetings. You can't, you got an empty room there with all the slogans and the steps on the walls. And it's locked up in the morning. I thought, wow. And anyway, I invited some homeless people. They came in for pancakes and coffee and so forth. And they, you know, a couple of them would stink up the place. And I remember uh, this one guy was really trembling. You know, he used to be a businessman. And his friend and his friend took his business and all kinds of... I think he took his wife too and... He was, lit, he was uh, well, where, where are you at? He said, well, I'm at the third palm tree down the river right there to the left, right next to the railroad tracks. So I got him to start saying something like, all will be well. And he said that as he was saying it longer and longer, he would meditate and sit down by his, uh, by his palm tree and look at the water. And he said as he was saying it, the water became brilliant and it seemed to be lapping and talking to him as he was saying. He had like a spiritual experience. And uh, his attitude got really good. And uh, we would go, I'd take him to Del Taco to get some burritos. And we would read the book, Prison of Praise. I would help him read it and he would read and I would help him read. And we'd go back and forth and talk. And, and then uh, I tried to get him to become a member of the Alnon uh, Alanon or Alano Club, the Alano Club, I think it was uh, 
$15 for the year or a quarter or something like that. So he can go in there and get discount coffee and get away from the cold, but he stunk. And I don't think they wanted him in there. When I took him to the meetings, he sat next, right next to me. And he stunk. But he was he had good attitude. He, he felt accepted. He smiled and stuff. And then I had to leave the area. And I said, keep going to the meetings. These are your friends. And sure enough, he got loaded. He didn't, he didn't, uh, as soon as I left. We make a difference, folks. We come in with a light. We choose to come in with a light. We choose to help others. We choose to stay positive and believe in the impossible because our higher power tells us that all things are possible to those who believe. All things are possible. And with that, let's go ahead and, and pray out. I think it's been a good, wonderful session for us, for a lot of us who stuck around. I had to stick around. <laughs> okay, let's pray the Our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you so much. Keep coming back.